Couch Chats is a series of real, open, honest and raw chats with some inspiring friends and women I have had the privilege to meet along my entrepreneurial journey. So I wanted to share these casual interview chats with you all to leave you feeling empowered and inspired. I am your host, Jess Williamson, a serial entrepreneur and business coach. And today I am joined on the couch with Sophie Doyle, the founder of Elf the Label, a luxury baby bag brand. And we talk what it takes to build an online e-commerce brand whilst being a mum and juggling everything else that goes along with it. Sophie has built this business in such a specific niche. So we'll dive a bit into what it takes to build a successful brand online and why niching down is so important, as well as all the behind the scenes of running a business. So I hope you enjoy the chat. Hi guys, we are here at the ELF HQ with Sophie Doyle. Hello. And we are going to be chatting all things building her brand, mum life and everything that goes in between, all of the behind the scenes so that you guys can really get to know what happens behind the glossy photos. So (laughs) thanks for joining me on the couch. No worries. my favorite color pink <laughs> sorry and I didn't actually mean to but I've um I've come You've on brand today very so. on brand <laughs> matching um so thank you so much for joining us um I would love you to maybe start with how the idea of Alf came about and where it all started because I think we caught up once for coffee in mm-hmm. Apple Cross when you were kind of just starting out and yep. you were on maternity leave yep. and years we ago. did a um pop-up sale together yes we in did. the city we yeah. did yes that's right <laughs> I forgot about that that would have been what for no a long time three ago. and a bit years ago I think yep. yeah 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 uh so Alf uh is a baby bag brand and basically I started the label when I as you know was pregnant um with my first child Ari who is now she's almost five um And it was really because I couldn't find a, I knew that I was gonna have lots and lots of things that I needed to carry as a a new mum, as you do. Uh, And I was looking for something that was going to suit my own style, but also if I was gonna spend some money on it, it needed Mm. to be something that I was gonna be able to use for a long time. And the options that were available were pretty average. Um, and you know, I looked on the web and really there wasn't, there wasn't a lot that was Mm. within Australia, for instance, there was a few companies that had sort of not probably things that weren't really my style either, but from overseas. And they were probably Um, functional, but not functional, but they just didn't look nice. And they, you know, if I'm going to carry it every day, I wanted it to suit my own style and be a reflection of me and not just this kind of dowdy ugly bag that I'm going to want to throw away after I got the use out of it that I needed. Um, and I realized that just a normal handbag wasn't really going to cut it. You need lots of pockets. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think one of the, the main things now down the track being, you know, obviously not a first time mum anymore is that the more organized you are, the less stressed you are. Mm -hmm. So I think that's key for anyone. I mean, (laughs) I know myself, even just with the handbag situation, I have a million things and I'm not even a mum yet. So I can't even imagine all the things you need to take. Yeah. So it's amazing that you've come up with something that's caters to that. That caters to that. And that's right. And I think that I'd been looking at all these sort of bigger handbags and thinking, oh, I don't, you know, they look nice, but 
functionally they're just not mm. going to work um so i had a go at sort of designing one for myself and i was going up to indonesia on a holiday uh and so i had it made and then it wasn't really it was never really meant to be a business mm. it was for myself and, oh, wow. and then i had lots of other mums mm-hmm. ask me oh where did you get that bag from is it a is it a baby bag and i was like well yeah i suppose it's a baby bag mm. but i like had it made myself and so then all of a sudden I started getting people asking me do you think you could get me like get me one made Uh, you know can you contact where you got them got it made from and get them to make one for me and I thought well maybe there's a little like hobby business Mm -hmm. in this you know it's always nice to have a project when you've got a newborn child yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and so I suppose it was really only then and I thought well maybe I should just give this a shot and um see what I can do and so I went back up to Indonesia and had really really bad time trying to find Mm. a manufacturer and it was a bit of a disaster uh, until I finally was about to just let it the idea let you know let that all go had a hard time trying to find a manufacturer and then almost just decided to throw in the towel Um, and then had one last ditch effort at trying to find a supplier in China because Mm. I'd heard from a lot of people that I'd spoken to that the Chinese leather manufacturing industry was actually really high quality and even though you know there's probably there used to be obviously a lot of stigma about Chinese Mm. manufactured things. I still think there is a little bit I mean I get questions sometimes and people ask where is your stuff made and China actually has so many regulations and if you do if you do your research they they're so much more regulated than a lot of other countries that are out there that claim to be you know more ethical so yeah correct because I had looked into using manufacturers in India Mm. uh, Vietnam and China and China by far was the most professional the most ethical the um they were in terms of being able to do business online Mm -hmm. they were streets ahead of Mm -hmm. everywhere else that I had looked into I'd also looked into Australia um that was my first point of call but you know sadly the we just don't have the industry here to be able to manufacture leather Mm -hmm. goods we just everything actually would need to be imported from China to be able to manufacture Mm -hmm. it here so firstly that doesn't make sense for carbon footprint anyway um and also the costs were just Mm -hmm. extreme and I didn't want to price my products you know out of the market as in I wanted to be able to afford the bag that I was trying to sell so uh that's why I ended up going with China and then it kind of just grew from there amazing and so Obviously, you said being a mum, so you started this when you first had your first born. Yep. Um, I want to talk about, and we mentioned this a little bit before, and I've spoken to a lot of different clients or women in business, and they they sometimes let the fact that they're a mum hold them back from chasing their dreams or feeling like they can make it more than just a hobby, you know, because they feel like they're first, which your first responsibility probably is your kids, but you know, you can make it a huge success as well, you know, and, and chase your dreams and make them really big. You don't have to play small just because you have all these other things on the cards. So how did you deal with that? Yep, absolutely. So I think probably prior to having children, um, I was never, I'll be honest, I was never a very maternal person and I knew that I wanted to have children but for me my career was really important to me Mm. and I spent a lot of time building up my career in marketing and PR uh, through, you know, working in agencies and in-house and things like that and so when I had my daughter, 
obviously all of a sudden I did feel very maternal and I knew that uh, she was my number one priority Mm. and I wanted to be able to spend as much time with her as I possibly could. So when I had made the decision to you know, obviously transfer this idea of my own baby bag into a possible little business um, that I thought, what a great opportunity to be able to, you know, have a project firstly, Mm. because as a career driven person, all of a sudden you have a baby and you're at home all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Not having a project for me was just not an option. I would have I would have probably just bored myself to tears and wanted to go back to full time work Mm. probably sooner than um you know i i got the opportunity yeah. to anyway so i think that um having a project was really important for me and then you do have you don't have time but you do have time mm. you make time for yourself i think when you become a mum obviously things are very overwhelming for the first few months for sure definitely no um you know no I just think the first few months of being a mother is just insane. But um, it was for me, it was really nice to have something else to concentrate mm. on. Um, and Ari, my daughter, was a really good sleeper. So I think that also is probably yeah. something that if your <laughs> child is not a good sleeper, then it would be much more difficult to start a business because uh, you're probably just fatigued mm. all the time trying to just survive. Yeah. Um, but for me, she was a really good sleeper. So. I had a few hours a day where I was able to potter around and, mm-hmm. you know, do my, my project business. Yeah. Um, and then as she got older, I just made it work. You know, I, I, I did work a lot in the evenings when we were starting to dispatch orders. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, I've got a really supportive husband and he was sitting there on the couch with me, you know, processing orders at night yep. and me responding to customer inquiries and things like that. But I suppose you just fit the business around your lifestyle Mm -hmm. and it's I think it's different for everybody for but for me I found it really empowering to be able to have my own project as well as being a mom yeah no I love that I love that message so in the beginning did you have any sort of self-doubt or like what am I doing or did you just have your eye on I'm going to make this I know everyone will love it and sort of have your eye on the end goal because I feel like there's two sorts of people I guess there's the people that are like I'm just going to do whatever it takes and charge through or did you have any of those sort of mindset blocks along the way? And everyone sometimes questions themselves, but it's whether you kind of work through them or you Mm. sit there in feeling that. So, yes, uh, I think I'm naturally a very determined person. Mm -hmm. So if I have an idea, I'll be like, I'm going to do this. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to figure it out and wing it. Mm-hmm. And finally, I'll get to the result that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably more me. I do think, however, I do catch myself occasionally having self-doubt. I mean, that's natural for everybody. Yeah. I think the fact that I came from a marketing background, for me, the business the business side mm. of things was that's always been a really big challenge and you know the financials Mm. and understanding how a small business actually needs to run efficiently was something that I had to learn on the fly but it's about surrounding yourself with people who are better at that than you you yeah so I have now consultants and accountants and bookkeepers Mm. and I I don't I don't do that side of the business because that to me is not my strength work to your strengths and not your weaknesses and surround yourself with people that can do it and what advice would you give to people who are starting out who maybe can't afford you know a consultant in every area 
what would you advise them to? Because I'm the same. I would recommend people rather than sit there struggling and wasting all this time on something that you don't enjoy or you're not good at to outsource. But then also there is obviously a cost involved. So what did you do in the early days? For the financial Financial side of the business. Yeah, so I gave it a shot myself. There's obviously lots of... This is obviously back in the very beginning. There's lots of different programs that you mm-hmm. can use to, um, to you know, QuickBooks and Zero, which is what we use now, is quite sophisticated. I didn't start with that. Mm. I used the most basic of bookkeeping, uh, which my accountant would probably be, <laughs> you know, rolling his eyes right now because I'm sure it took a while for them to smooth out things. But yep. you, I think you just need to give give it a go. And if you feel like it is absolutely overwhelming, then that's what you need mm-hmm. to outsource. Definitely. I remember in the early days, I used to, I had a spreadsheet for all my sales and all my expenses. Whenever a sale come through online, I would put it in my spreadsheet like one by one. <laughs> that didn't last too long because I just was Very so manual. So I use Zero as well. It's yeah. an amazing tool. Everything just yeah. syncs on over and it's yeah. as automated as exactly. you can get. So try and automate everything as you go along. Mm-hmm. As if you find an area that you can automate, automate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, automation is is so cool because mm-hmm. I mean we both come from digital marketing, so it's yeah. kind of yeah. what we work to. But automate. There's so many things you can automate. Um, we were just speaking before. So what else? do you sort of outsource now I know obviously you have an amazing team here um but what what is sort of your role in the day-to-day activities now yep so my role now is probably more well it's definitely obviously creative direction for the for the products I still do all the designing and I'm uh, liaise directly with the manufacturers um and because for us Obviously, when you're working with Chinese manufacturers, relationship is 100% mm-hmm. the biggest factor of success. So being able to keep that relationship has been really, really important. Um, obviously, at the moment, it's difficult because we can't travel to go mm-hmm. over and actually see people face to face. So that to me is uh, really important to keep keep that going on on my side and obviously doing the designing um overseeing you know the different areas of the business and making sure that they're running as well as they Mm. can finding holes in our processes and trying to you know work through ways to to troubleshoot that um obviously supporting each of the girls within the team on what they're doing and giving them some direction uh we have three so myself and three other people who work in marketing now and obviously being a marketing background I set the strategy and then Mm -hmm. the girls roll it out for us which is amazing and um so probably more of a coordination Mm -hmm. side of things and then getting advice from people like accountants and my business advisor and Mm -hmm. our digital marketing strategist and things like that to get advice on how we can then bring in better processes Mm. and then I sort of distribute that to the team. Awesome. And another thing that I think a lot of people get stuck on is finding a niche. And obviously your bags are beautiful. Anyone could use them. You could have just gone mass market and said, hi, here's some beautiful handbags for ladies. Plus we might have a nappy mat in there. Or mm-hmm. Change mat um, is probably the correct term. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, what made that your decision that was, I'm going down this strict niche and mm-hmm. that's obviously worked to your advantage, which everyone should be going as niche as possible yeah um and you've built this amazing mum community around it so yeah talk us through that process so at the beginning i did 
bring out the first two bags and they are purely a baby bag. Mm-hmm. I mean, you obviously, like you said, you can use them for anything. We have doctors, teachers, uh, photographers, all, um, fur mums, all mm-hmm. sorts of different sort of categories of uh, customers now who use our bags, but essentially they are a baby bag. Um, and then there was a stage there where I had brought out a few smaller bags, mm-hmm. handbags, like you said, just to test the market to see whether we would be better positioned in mm. the handbag area or if we were better positioned in the baby bag area. And it's they definitely were they were a successful product, but to our existing customers more so mm-hmm. to new customers. So yeah. that was a very big indication that no, definitely stay mm-hmm. in your niche and pr- produce other products yeah. which fit that, you know, that that customer audience. And I think just on that, the key is to try. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, then, yep. you know, scrap yep. it and move on. Absolutely. People are too scared to sometimes try. And it would have been an investment, right? You, mm-hmm. You're not just trying something for free. You've got to purchase and invest yep. and design in these products, which would take months. Yeah. Um, but the key is to just try. You've got to give it a You've go. You've got to go. You and really then you do. never know because every business and every customer and every audience is so different. Yeah. Really, you you have to try it for yourself, and yeah, to and know. you've got to learn. Obviously, even having something that isn't your most successful product, you're going to have so many learnings that you've made just mm-hmm. from producing that line of of Definitely. goods. So it's it's almost important to have those not so successful things because otherwise you, you're not going to learn from anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is yeah. So along the way, we've tried different things and sort of fallen back into our baby bag niche. Yep. Um, and yeah, we're quite happy there now. Awesome. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You guys are sort of, if people are having a baby and they're thinking of getting a baby bag, you guys are the ones they would probably think of. I mean, I can't I so. think of, <laughs> I can't think of one. Um, I'm not in the niche specifically, but yeah. yeah, you would have to be one of the the most specific baby bag company that yes. does what you do yes. in Australia. In Australia, mm-hmm. definitely, I would say so. Um, there are other beautiful baby bag companies out there, but I think we our bags are they do look very different mm-hmm. to a lot of other brands that are available. Um, so that's probably where we where we are, you know, slightly different yeah. outside of that. Awesome. Another thing, because your background is marketing and you guys do such an amazing job of brand and your social media and you guys are always active on there and showing yourself as well. Talk us through a little bit about that. So was that a conscious decision? Was that just come naturally to you? Um, And did you decide, yes, I want to be the face of the brand or no, I would want to stay behind the scenes and you just happen to (laughs) get out there? Well, obviously, like you said, having a marketing background, I knew sort of how I wanted to position the business in the first place. Um, However, saying that, having had a marketing background, I was usually behind the scenes. Mm. You know, I'd I'd done PR for a very long time and written speeches and all sorts of other sort of PR functions, but never been in front Mm. of the camera. So that was probably something which was the biggest um, mental challenge to get over was the fear of having to be on on camera. Uh, And it's probably taken me a good three years to really feel comfortable and not have to take 
many different takes you know when you're trying <laughs> yeah. to get a message out I still stumble over my words now um, because it's not it doesn't really come naturally mm. to me but I know at the same time that especially because we're an e-commerce business our customers need to be able to connect with somebody mm-hmm. and obviously being the designer and the founder of the business that person really does need to be me uh, so yeah I guess it's just something that I knew had to happen and then I just had to go for it and you know there's ways that you can uh, and there's ways that you can get over your fear, you know, using a filter or, you know, um, having stickers on there and all sorts mm. of different like Instagram tools that you can use yep. to um, make yourself not feel so exposed mm-hmm. on camera. Use it in black and white for a little while and things yeah. like that. You know, there's all sorts of different things that you can do and, and I, just practice. Exactly. <laughs> I love the fact that you said it took three years to get there because I was the same. The first time I got onto live, I said, hi, I'm Jess, forgot what I was going to say. But, you know, that's one step closer to remembering next time and then next time it will come naturally. So I think, like, the key for anyone is to give it a go if you screw it up. I think the key is to not delete it as well. Yes. To maybe do it as a live like we are here. If I screw it up right now, it's already out I was just about to say that I actually find that, even for myself, that doing an Instagram live is almost less it once you get over that oh mm-hmm. it's going to be live once you get over that initial uh, fear of people like sitting there watching you um it's actually less intimidating because you i get i think you just feel more comfortable kind of talking and rolling things off of your tongue whereas if you're doing a piece to camera recorded mm. you think oh i wasn't meant to say that hang on or i didn't say that quite as what you know oh i'm up to the minute already you know mm-hmm. i've got to stop the video and then you kind of get into a bit of a tailspin so it's sometimes easier just to set the camera up and just start talking mm-hmm. yeah no i love that tip so do you have any more tips if someone's in their business um looking to take it to the next level or even just starting out do you have any words of wisdom or sort of things that you learned along the way that really helped you from the very beginning I think one of the things that I always say to people is make sure that your finances are in order and understand your cost of goods Mm -hmm. like if you don't understand your own margins you've got no visibility as to how much you can spend Mm. safely um, and even so much as how much you can put your products on sale for Mm -hmm. having a markdown strategy is actually really important because you don't want to be marking your products down so much that you're then not going to be making anything Mm -hmm. and you know you you've got to do things like making sure that you're incorporating your shipping costs and your storage costs and all of those different overheads Mm -hmm. and until you really truly can get a good picture of that you don't have a successful business Mm. and was that something you knew from straight away or did you sort of make a few mistakes in that area and learn from them yeah and Mm. especially because when I started my hobby business which I always call it when I started I genuinely thought Mm. it was going to be a hobby and then I would be selling to people that I knew uh friends of friends or someone that just you know liked the look of my bag oh yeah cool I've got one at home here you can buy it from me um that was probably my biggest mistake was Mm. not starting a business with the view of actually it becoming an actual business yeah uh and therefore not putting things in place like incorporating all of those costs into Mm. your margins and I I uh, had to have a few price increases in the in the beginning over the first couple of years mm-hmm. to actually start pricing the products as yep. they should be because the, you know there's one thing about wanting to 
set your products within a particular price point Mm -hmm. but if that's not realistic then why are you even bothering Mm, exactly and so you don't wholesale currently is that an area where you look to go no because um well obviously wholesale from a margins perspective Mm. wholesale yeah it's a lot more work to be Mm -hmm. able to manage all of your wholesalers um I was going to and then COVID hit Mm. and then I've had a bit of a change of strategy. So now we're going to stay uh, just purely online Mm -hmm. and that's partly because I like the idea of being able to control the customer service or the customer experience Mm. for people. It's hard when you do have other wholesalers because you don't know how they're going to merchandise your products, how visually it's going to look when you walk into a store Um, and also just to be able to sell through your uh, range to be able to bring something new out it's Mm -hmm. also difficult when you've got wholesalers so one of the things that I really love about our brand is that we're not we're not mass produced like Mm -hmm. we produce in smaller quantities to try and control the quality yeah Uh, and also so that we've got a little bit of scope to be able to have things that it feel a little bit limited for people you know, if, if someone's going to be spending uh, the money on a, on a purchase, they want it to feel special. They mm. don't want it to feel like it's the same bag that every other person has got yeah. out there. And over the years, we've had a number of um, comments and things from feedback from customers to say, oh, I really loved your brand because it wasn't like everybody else's. Mm. You know, there's a few brands out there that were very popular prior to us sort of coming into the market. uh, And we've been, you know, people have literally said, I love it because it's not something that you see everywhere. So being able to run small batches and change the colors up and change the materials, that's really important to us. So wholesaling and having that strategy Mm -hmm. would be much more difficult. Yeah, definitely. Well, I love that because sometimes, you know, people get so caught in, I want to just go bigger, 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 but you've made the conscious decision and you were sort of going that route. And I think COVID's made a lot of us realize we need to just streamline um, rather than making things so complicated. That's right. And I love that you just made that conscious decision to say, actually, no, we want to keep control. We want to, you know, keep it streamlined and all run within you guys yeah exactly exactly and so that's that's really nice and also being able to now we're in Fremantle obviously we've chatted about this um you know off airs that we've just moved from a big warehouse space about 10 minutes from here and now we're down in the center of Fremantle which is you know a really lovely sort of old town in in Perth here and we're now going to be able to offer local pickup for customers Mm -hmm. which is something that we've never been able to do so we will at least have one touch point Mm. physical touch point for people to be able to come and see the office and and come and touch and feel the product and I think it comes back to that branding experience because as soon as you walk in here and I'll show you guys later maybe (laughs) um it's just it feels like your brand you know it's it's what it is so you've done an amazing job on every single touch point (laughs) um including most of the time you guys are all on brand with what you're wearing yeah. and everything. Um, That's almost unintentional. I think we all just live and breathe. Well, I think maybe subconsciously I was thinking that because this is the only spotty thing I own and I didn't and even think about it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> blend in with the balls. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love that. And I think that's something that a lot of people can't get their head around mm. um, is that um, – end-to-end brand experience yes um and obviously you've got a an amazing background in that yeah so i think that's really important and you you coach people on their branding as well so 
maybe just tell us a little bit about that and how yeah that works yeah so I think it's that's it's probably similar to you and mm-hmm. you started a brand and you know it was obviously successful for its own reasons and then you just want to help other people mm. who are struggling in those areas and I think that I almost think that the coaching part of what I do is almost my favorite part mm-hmm. of anything that I do. Oh, obviously not yep. apart from being a mum, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just clarify that. But yeah, I I really love being able to help people overcome those roadblocks mm. and being able to make their brand visually mm. more appealing because it is so so important when you're so, operating on social media yeah. and things like that so you work with them on a bit of a brand strategy and then also do you work with a designer and help them like make that visual? yeah so i usually because i work with clients who are all over australia mm. all over the world actually um so i will usually give them recommendations as to the sorts of graphic designers mm-hmm. that I would recommend or the sorts of consultants that I think would fit yep. their brand. And it usually it, it differs because with designers, as you know, there can be 10 different designers with 10 different styles mm. and they're not just because one person is within your price point, they, their yep. style might not suit your brand. Mm-hmm. It's really important to get out of that mindset of, oh, I'll just go and find a graphic designer. Mm-hmm for however much and that will do me like that yep. that's not really how it works anymore you need to find people that really resonate with your brand mm-hmm. to be able to create the best result yep no I, yeah awesome um so just before we finish up is there any last things you want to leave everyone with um I don't know. I've got so many things to say, but we've had a very good chat about all sorts of no, different things. No, it's been really awesome to get to know it a bit more. I mean, I don't think I've probably seen you in person since. Oh, not for a long time, yeah, especially with years. COVID. So it doesn't... a lot has happened. Yeah. Um, and it's been amazing to watch your journey as well in the Thank growth. You. So Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for sharing good to chat. all of your knowledge with everyone today. And a bit more behind the scenes so you guys can see what happens in a successful baby bag brand yeah is that what you would call it what do you have like a snazzier word well no and it's funny actually i think even four years or it'll be four years this october even four years down the track i still when people say what do you do i'm like um (laughs) i have a baby bag brand but i feel like it doesn't that doesn't really quite hit the spot Mm. and even having only recently written like an elevator pitch for the brand. Mm-hmm. That's something that I think is actually really important for all brands is to write an elevator pitch. If you had 30 seconds mm-hmm. to, you know, sell yourself to someone in a, in a lift, yep. what are you going to say to them? It's actually really difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And the, because, because baby bags have a bit of a stigma as to not being so pretty and nice yeah. <laughs> that's where I find it difficult to say you know definitely do we do so we usually just say like a luxury baby bag brand or mm-hmm. luxury leather bags but yeah. it just depends on who you're talking to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh I love that well yeah again thank you so much for having me Anytime. on your couch and yeah. it's a very beautiful couch too <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much Jess. thank you <laughs> see ya What a fun, fun chat that was learning all about the behind the scenes of Sophie and Alpha Label. 
I hope you guys enjoyed that chat as much as I did. Please don't forget to share to your social media, screenshot this podcast and share to your stories. And don't forget to tag me at Jess.Williamson8 and Sophie at Sophie Doyle and we will be sure to share the love back. Make sure you also jump on and watch the IGTV if you want a sneak peek of their beautiful offices here in Fremantle, Western Australia. So have an amazing day.